I heard that the phrase fear not appears 365 times in the Bible. Now, I've not checked that personally, but I heard it's there 365 times. That means there's one fear not for every day of the year. So whatever you're facing right now, God would say, don't be afraid because fear will rob you of your joy.
the title of my message is How to Have a Joyful Christmas. And Christmas is here. I mean, all around us are the reminders. The pressure is on to go shopping. We're hoping we'll get the right thing for a loved one or we'll receive the thing that we're hoping to get this Christmas. I heard about a little boy that decided to write God and tell him what he wanted for Christmas. So he said, Dear God, I've been a good boy for two months. But then the little guy thought, Well, I am writing to God, and God knows everything. And he'll know I haven't been good for two months. So he crossed out to put one month. I've been good for one month. They thought, I haven't been good for one month. He crossed that out and said, I've been good for two weeks. And he thought, no, I haven't even been good for two weeks. He made a one week. Even that was too much. And so he had a thought. He walked over to the little nativity set. There's the figure of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. He grabbed the figure of Mary, went back to his letter, set the figure down, and wrote, Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother alive again, so... That's one way to go with these things. Now, you go to the malls. Malls are crazy, aren't they? And parking spaces are so hard to find. Have you ever gone stalking for a parking space? Do you know what I'm talking about? So someone's coming out of the mall. They have their bags. They're going to their car. So you're looking for their uh, space. And, oh, there they are. So you put your signal on, and they take a year to put the bags away and you're waiting and people are backing up behind you. People are starting to honk, but you found this space. You're not gonna let it go. And then the person puts the bags in the trunk and walks away. This cannot happen. Listen, if you're going to your parking space in a mall and you're not gonna leave, just signal us and say, no, not gonna happen. I'm not gonna leave. But, but you know, this is the problem, is that people, and, and if you're one of those people, make sure you leave as quickly as possible. When you're in the car and you are leaving, don't check your phone, don't check anything, get out. And I mean that in Christian love. But uh, you know, because of the pressure, it can be a very hard time for a lot of people. You know, studies have shown that depression, anxiety, stress, and loneliness uh, increase dramatically during the Christmas season. And this is ironic because the message of the angels to the shepherds 2,000 years ago who were keeping watch over their flocks by night was simply, we bring you great joy. But a lot of people are not experiencing great joy right now. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'll experience great joy when I finish my Christmas shopping. Or I'll finish, I'll experience great joy when I get my next paycheck. Or I'll have great joy when the hardship I'm going through ends. But listen, you're not going to find great joy in any of those things. We have to come back to the essential message of what Christmas is. It's not about what's under the tree. It's about who died on the tree. You see, Jesus was born to die that we might live. The incarnation was for the purpose of the atonement. He came with a specific purpose to go to a cross, die for the sins of the world, and rise again from the dead. So you don't need Christmas presents to make you happy. You need Christ's presence in your life. The message of this season is not shop till you drop, nor is it let it snow. We need to go back to those wise men who got it right when they said, we have come to worship. 
If you want a joyful Christmas, make it a Christmas that is filled with worship. Because the reality is, commercial Christmas cannot deliver on its promises. It can't deliver the magic. It can't deliver the delight. It cannot deliver the hope that it promises, but Christ can. So let's go back to the first Christmas. Let's go back to the story as presented to us in the Gospel of Luke. And by the way, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2. So when we last looked at the Christmas story, we found the very young woman named Mary being told that she was going to be the fulfillment of a Bible prophecy. The angel Gabriel appeared to her and told her she would literally be the fulfillment of the promise of the prophet Isaiah and she would bring forth the Messiah. Of course, Joseph wasn't buying this, but an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him to take Mary as his wife because that one that was going to be born would be called Jesus and he would save his people from their sins. Now, seemingly out of nowhere, but really right on God's schedule, Caesar Augustus gives a ruling that all the world should be taxed. And so now Mary and Joseph find their way back to Bethlehem because that is where they were rooted. They were both of the house of David. But even that was for a purpose because Micah said that out of Bethlehem the Messiah would come. He said, Thou Bethlehem, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth one whose origins have been from everlasting, or a literal translation would be the vanishing point. So this was all part of God's big plan to accomplish his purposes because history is his story. The reality is history swings on the hinge of the door of a stable in Bethlehem. And there the Son of God was born. And of course, Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't a mere man or just a prophet. He was God coming to us in human flesh. As he entered our world, he was God with skin on, literally walking among us. And the birth of Jesus was one of the most momentous, momentous events in all of human history because the eternal God literally became a fetus and was born of a woman. And he did this in order to become the savior of the world. So really when you get down to it, the story of Jesus is not a rags to riches story. It's a riches to rags story. Because God left the glory of heaven. Jesus left the comfort and the bliss of being surrounded by the angels and being in the presence of the Father and the Holy Spirit to be born in a barn in a very unsanitary environment as he entered our world. And when the first Christmas came, most people missed it altogether. There were no twinkling lights uh, hanging from the eaves of buildings. There were no reindeer on anyone's lawn. Children did not find it hard to sleep that night because basically it was a night like any other night. In fact, on the first Christmas, it was business as usual. It was a bleak time spiritually for the Jewish people. There had been an icy silence from heaven and the Jewish people had not heard from God for 400 long years. Not one angelic appearance. Not one prophet speaking for the Lord. Not one miracle had been performed for 400 
hundred years. And then out of nowhere, but really right on God's timetable, everything changes and the announcement goes out that Jesus has been born. But everyone missed it. The innkeeper missed it. He didn't have room in his hotel or in his inn for Jesus. Uh, the people of Bethlehem missed it. The people of Rome missed it. The religious leaders missed it. Even when King Herod went to them and made them aware of the birth of this child and what does this mean in the Bible and they knew the scriptures to go to that spoke about Messiah. But they didn't make this short journey from where they were to go see in Bethlehem if this was true. Everybody missed it for the most part. So now God is going to make the greatest of all announcements. You know when you have good news, you can't wait to share it. And I wonder if up in heaven the Lord said, okay, I, I need some angels to get this message to planet Earth that Messiah has arrived. Oh, everyone would have volunteered. And the Lord might have said, well, I'm thinking of sending Gabriel. Oh, Lord, another angel might say, he got to go last time. I want to go. The Lord says, all right, you can all go. And God sent thousands of angels to make the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And who did they make this announcement to? According to the Christmas story. Shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. In my book, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, I talk about Johnny's hard scrabble beginnings to his initial ascent up to the point where he was having all kinds of troubles, ranging from being arrested to wrecking cars to just making a mess of all the success that he was experiencing. But here's the big story that God can redeem a life. No matter how you're living your life out right now, and maybe you've made some mistakes, and you've done some things that you're ashamed of, this book shows that God gives second chances. This is a story of redemption. If God can redeem a person like Johnny Cash, certainly he can redeem a person like you. Let's revisit that story now. I'm reading from Luke 2 starting in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made, been made, has made known to us. So here's my first point if you're taking notes. The highest message came initially to the lowest of people. I mentioned last time that we've overly romanticized the Christmas story and we miss the raw power of it. And here's another example. I talked about how we've sort of sanitized the birth of Jesus and the manger and, and we've missed the fact that it was 
a very difficult place for a little one to enter this world. Now let's think about the shepherds. You know, we think the shepherds were these wonderful people, and they were in their way, but these were the very outcasts of society. <laughs> if we updated this today and we read there were telemarketers calling people late at night, or there were used car dealers trying to close deals. We, we would have a different view of this. And that's how you have to think of a shepherd. They were not looked at in a positive way. They were looked at in a negative way. We've romanticized them and don't understand who they were. The shepherd was so low on the social ladder. The only one that was worse than them was an actual leper. They were stereotyped and maligned. For instance, the testimony of a shepherd was not even allowed in a court. Rabbis banned uh, pasturing uh, sheep and goats in Israel except on desert plains. And the Mishnah, uh, which uh, gives out Jewish law, said if a shepherd fell into a pit, you weren't even required to rescue them. So, I mean, they're, they're the lowest of the low. No one wants to hang around with a shepherd. No one likes the shepherd. So up in heaven, God says, who shall we tell first? Who should we reveal this message to that Christ has been born? Not Caesar, not the religious leaders, not the influential folk who could potentially influence others. The highest message came initially to the lowest of the low, into this social context of religious snobbery and class prejudice, the Son of God stepped forth. God handpicked these shepherds to hear this news. He left the self-righteous hypocrites off the mailing list. Are you on God's mailing list? If you're a Christian, you are. And he brings us good news. So this is something that is very important to remember that he took the highest message to the lowest of the low. Number two, the message of the first Christmas was a message of joy. It was a message of joy. Verse 10, the angel said, don't be afraid, behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Not a little joy, not some joy, great joy. That is the message of Christmas, it's great joy. God wants you to have a joyful and happy Christmas this year. But the reality is, and I touched on this earlier, the holidays can be sad for a lot of folks. Maybe there's something happening in your home that's making this a hard Christmas. I just read that the Surgeon General has issued a warning about the mental health of young people. And uh, the Surgeon General told a newspaper that one in three high school students reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. That's a 40% increase from 2009 to 2019. And suicide rates went up during this time by 57% among young people ages 10 to 24. And then he pointed out during the pandemic, rates of anxiety and depression have only increased. Man, this is sad. People are down. There are things that happen that are utterly inexplicable. And uh, if you have suffered loss, if a loved one has left you and you're now celebrating Christmas, it might be even harder. A time that should be happy can suddenly become miserable. You know, our son Christopher went to heaven 13 years ago. And I remember the first Christmas we celebrated after he died. And it was absolutely devastating. 
because he loved Christmas and he really got into it. He was a great rapper. He wrapped presents so beautifully. He didn't get that from me. But he'd get out his exacto blade and the tape and do all these cool things. He made custom Christmas cards for people. And he loved this time. It's all those memories flood into your mind when you're there supposedly having a good time. And it's actually a very sad time. And maybe I'm talking to someone right now that's really sad. In fact, you're so sad you wonder if you should even keep living. You've even thought about taking your own life. Please, please don't even consider that. You are loved by more people than you will ever realize. And you are needed and you are wanted. And best of all, you're loved by God. And listen, He has a plan for your life. And what is the message of Christmas? It's that God is with us. Remember, you should call His name Emmanuel. And what is the purpose of Christmas or the purpose of Jesus being born? I already mentioned it. Jesus was born to die. He was going to the cross. You see, at the cross, Jesus defeated sin, but at his resurrection, he defeated death. So here's the message. If you've lost a loved one, if they died in faith, if they died trusting Christ, you will see them again. We don't say goodbye. We say see you later. Let that resonate with you because that's what Christmas is really all about. My third point is fear robs us of the joy of Christmas. Look at 2.10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. What powerful words, what relevant words for the time we're living in right now. Because fear can cancel out and rob us of our joy. And man, we live in frightening times, don't we? Don't be afraid. I heard that the phrase fear not appears 365 times in the Bible. Now, I've not checked that personally, but I heard it's there 365 times. That means there's one fear not for every day of the year. So whatever you're facing right now, God would say, don't be afraid because fear will rob you of your joy. Let go of that and choose to rejoice. Why should they rejoice? Very simple answer. There is born to them in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That brings me to my fourth and final point. We can have joy this Christmas because we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You have a Savior. What did he save you from? Saved you from sin. Saved you from hell. He saved you from judgment. The fact is, he saved us. He's saving us. And he will yet save us. So he saved us. We're forgiven of all of our sins and our sins are not only forgiven, they're also forgotten. But then he's saving us as you're struggling with temptation and other issues. He's there to help you and sustain you and strengthen you and ultimately he will save you when you get to heaven and you enter into his presence. A wonderful thing. It's a savior who is Christ the Lord. So he saves us, but then as our Lord, he protects us and he watches over us. And one day he will welcome us into heaven. Let me ask you this in closing. Do you find yourself depressed right now? Do you find yourself in pain? Are you lonely? Are you feeling despondent? I have good news for you. A Savior has been born. And this Savior 
is ready to come into your life. As I pointed out in my last message, Jesus was born so we might be born again. Jesus said to a religious man named Nicodemus, you must be born again. What does that even mean? It means you need to have a spiritual rebirth where you say to God, I need your help, I need your forgiveness, and I want Jesus to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord, and he can do that for you right now. The same Jesus who was born in the manger, who died on the cross and rose from the dead, now stands at the door of your life and he knocks and he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Maybe God has spoken to your heart and you have seen your need for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came from heaven to this earth. He was born in a manger. He died on a cross. He rose again from the dead. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. Listen, I'm not talking about religion. I don't want to be a religious person. I don't think you want to be one either. I'm talking about relationship with God. Jesus, who died and rose again, stands at the door of your life and he knocks and he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Question, have you asked Jesus Christ to come and live inside of you? You might say, well, I, I think so, I'm not sure. Hey, if someone moved into your house in the middle of the night, do you think you would be aware of it? I'm sure you would. And in the same way, if Christ has come to live inside of you, you will know. And if you don't know, maybe he has not come in yet. He's just a prayer away. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I want this relationship with you. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I wanna to go to heaven when I die. Would you like to do that? Would you like Christ to come into your life? If so, why don't you just pray this simple prayer with me? You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. But this is a prayer where you're asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Pray this with me now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Now come into my life. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Did you just pray that prayer with me? If so, I want you to know in the authority of scripture that Christ himself has come to live inside of you. And I would love to send to you at no charge something called the New Believer's Bible. It's a very friendly translation of the New Testament. You'll find very understandable. And it's filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've just made to follow Jesus. Let me send that to you at no charge. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. In my book, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, I talk about Johnny's hard scrabble beginnings to his initial ascent up to the point where he was having all kinds of troubles, ranging from being arrested to wrecking cars to just making a mess of all the success that he was experiencing. And here's the big story, that God can redeem a life. No matter how you're living your life out right now, and maybe you've made some mistakes, and you've done some things that you're ashamed of, this book shows that God gives second chances. This is a story of redemption. If God can redeem a person like Johnny Cash, certainly he can redeem a person like you.
Jesus says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We are all different. We have different interests, different personalities, different upbringings, and different ways we do life. But here, we have a deep connection, and you are welcome here. This is Harvest.